0: The following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. If you will, and turn with me to 1 John 4 and verse 19. <clears throat> 1 John 4 and verse 19. <clears throat> Have a uh, missionary with us, um, <clears throat> missionary to, to Taiwan, Andy Smith and his wife will be with us then, so uh, please try to uh, attend then, <clears throat> we'll learn more about him as a missionary. Also, I was in contact with a missionary this week, uh, Sam Rogers out of uh, Twin Ports Baptist Church, <clears throat> who will be with us the 31st of this year, uh, Sunday morning. And so pray for that. He's a missionary to uh, the uh, Amazon Basin in Brazil. And I've been doing some research on what he's doing there, as well as Brother Smith. So pray for these missionaries. We want to take on some others for support. So let's be in prayer about them as well. If you will, First uh, John 4 and verse 19 this morning. First John 4 and verse 19. The Bible says here, We love him because he first Loved us. Now I want us to focus on just two words in this verse: He first. He first. I'd like to preach on that subject this morning. He first. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for Thy word. Father, thank you for uh, the word of God in this on this particular subject. And Lord, I thank you that you're the eternal God, and Father, that no matter what happens. In this world, in this life, you are there for us. I pray, God, for your people that are here today. For myself, help me to preach thy word. Father, help us to not only hear it and apply it, but appreciate what you've given us in thy word concerning yourself. And Lord, I pray you'd be with your people who are not here for varying reasons for sickness and traveling what have you. I pray you'd be with them as well. But God bless us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, here in our text, we see the power, I believe. I was reading this passage recently in my devotions. And it's funny, I don't know how many times I've read this verse. But when I read this verse, two words stuck out at me. He first. Now, I appreciate the love of God and what have you, but those two words stuck in my mind. And and, and the Lord began to speak to me about uh, these two words and the power of, of these two words he first Hebrews chapter 4 if you look there with me Hebrews chapter 4 <clears throat> and of verse 12 Hebrews 4 and of verse 12 the Bible says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's a the word of God is a power like no other book. You know, a lot of people have written so many kinds of books. The Bible says that as the, the, the making of books of the making of books there is no end and it will continue to be. But there's never been a book like the Bible. And as a, as we look at the Bible, folks, sometimes even just two words can carry in them a meaning and a power that can be a blessing and a help to us. If you'll look back to 1 John 4 and verse 19. 1 John 4 and verse 19. Again, we'll read the text. 1 John 4 and 19. We love him because he first loved us. Now, as we, the he that we're going to talk about this morning, you would say, well, it's obvious. It is God the Father, as the text or context that bears out. Look at verse 14, backing up in the context. And <clears throat> we have seen. And to testify that the Father sent the Son and the the Son to be the Saviour of the world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he is uh, in He and God, and we have known and believed the love that god hath uh, that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in him dwelleth in God, and God in him, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is made perfect in love. We know that God is, if you will, the He that is mentioned in our text in verse 20. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this uh, commandment have we received from him, he that... uh, he that, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So we know that when the Bible says we love him because he first loved us, he is speaking of God the Father. And then I want us to look at the, ver- the word first. The word first means uh, <clears throat> preceding all others in time, preceding all others in rank, dignity, and excellence. So as we talk about he first I want us to consider first of all, if you will, he is first in time. He is first in time. We see that here, even the mention of this, we love him because he first loved us. He is first in time. We know in Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Exodus 3, look with me there. Exodus chapter 3. And verses 13 and 14, Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. And I think it's important, the times in which we live, for us to remember and consider he first. He is first in time in Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. This word, this name I am, is uh, the the name that means the eternal, self-existent, always existing uh, God. The word eternal is uh, without beginning or end of existence, everlasting. We think of eternal sometimes... And eternal life is just being life without end. But the eternal God, and as we use the word "eternal" in reference to God, He is without beginning and, if you will, Deuteronomy thirty-three this morning, Deuteronomy chapter thirty-three. In Deuteronomy thirty-three, and if you look with me to verse twenty-six, Deuteronomy thirty-three. And to verse 26. Must be in a hurry to get to church. Amen. 26. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee. And he shall say, destroy them. The eternal God is thy refuge. This speaks of the great I am, who is our God. He is before before time even. Look with me in Isaiah fifty-seven. Isaiah fifty seven and fifteen. Isaiah fifty seven and verse fifteen. <clears throat> Isaiah fifty seven and verse fifteen. Here the Bible says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For thus saith the high and lofty one, the one that inhabiteth eternity. God himself, being the eternal God, inhabits eternity. What does eternity mean? It speaks of duration or continuance without beginning or without end. He lives, he is not only the eternal God, but he lives in eternity without beginning or end of existence, if you will. Time was created for man. You say, well, when did time begin? In the beginning, God created. That's when time began. And, you know, time was created for man. And let me say this. Time is important because time for man gives structure, gives order to life, and without it, we would live basically in chaos. God gave us time, order and orderliness, if you will, Genesis 1 verses three through five. Genesis one verses three through five.. <clears throat> <clears throat> Now, some have no concept of time. <laughs> I don't, you know, with some people, I don't care how much time you give them. I don't know how many times you uh, you uh, say, be here at this time. They're never going to be on time. As a matter of fact, I have a relative that when we plan to do something with her, we tell her an hour ahead of time. We say, okay, if we're planning something, say at 2.30, we tell her to be there at 1.30. And what we hope... Is that she will arrive somewhere in between 1:30 and 2:30? Now we love her, and I appreciate her in many ways, but you know we have to kind of play this game because some people have no concept of time. You know sometimes people are constantly late to church because they don't value the idea of being at church on time, or being anywhere else on time, with the exception of their job. You know, it's amazing to me how many people will be to work on time on their job because of what? Because of fear of losing their job, because there was a requirement. You know, God made time for man. It's a good thing. In Genesis chapter one and verse three, the Bible says, and God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So God establishes time for man and he gives, if you will, a structure to that time as a literal 24-hour day. That is, if you will, the evening and the morning. That made up a day. In verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, the Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good And the evening, and the morning were the sixth day you know <clears throat> some people try to uh, to try to uh, somehow reconcile evolution with creation by saying that well each one of these days represents an age or span of maybe billions of years somehow trying to make evolution fit creation that's called theistic evolution and it's a lie God established creation in six 24-hour literal days. And again, He said it in many places, but particularly in this reference. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Thus were the heavens and the earth finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all of His work. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work, which God God created and made. Folks, God said, uh, I've done it all in six days. The Bible's clear on it. And on the seventh day, he rested. Look with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. God established time for man. It's important that we have time. We have a structure for it. And God is before time and established time. In Exodus chapter 20, look with me to verse 9. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy sons, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy, man, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the, se- the, sab- the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. <clears throat> so we find here the Lord, again, referring to six literal days of creation and resting on the Sabbath. He said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, a lot of people were criticized among the Jews when someone went out to maybe take care of their cattle or whatever. Or maybe as Jesus was, he, he healed people on the Sabbath day and they were criticizing him for it because it was, not a, day of re- it was a day of rest a day in which they should worship God. But he said this, you know, shall we not do good on the Sabbath day? Shall we not do that? Criticizing him unjustly. But it was a day of rest after six literal days of creation. Look with me to Genesis 1 again and verse 14. Genesis 1 and uh, verse 14 Bible says and God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night let them be for signs and for seasons for days and years let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day speaking of the sun the lesser light to rule the night speaking of the the stars and the moon what have you he made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. God gave us, if you will, all of the, the creation of the heavens, the stars, the moon, all of what we see in the heavens. And, and by that, we, if you will, uh, determine uh, months and days and what have you. He says it plainly, gave it for a purpose He established time for man. Look with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. He also established, if you will, time to fulfill his purpose upon this earth. In Galatians chapter 4, and let's look, if you will, to verse 4. Galatians 4 in verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God, and a joint an heir of God through uh, through Christ. But it says here in verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of, of sons. God had a time, God created time for man, and God, uh, if you will, created a time when He would send the Son of Man, the Son of God, into the world. But He says in the fullness of time, this phrase, the fullness of time, says the full time appointed by god the father that is the completeness of time the state of a thing in which nothing is wanting the perfection of time god is hence we find that christ came in the fullness or at the perfect time to be the focus of all time that is the savior of the world now it's interesting that folks many want to deny jesus christ deny god but it's an amazing thing to me that the world has has put so much focus on the lord and on the lord jesus christ even so much as to affect time it used to be that we recorded time in in certain fashions there were certain wordings and designations one of which is called bc or before christ that was in the the world established that as a a marker for time and then ad which is anno Uh, Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. Those phrases express the time when Christ had come into this world. They emphasize that they focused on Christ and his coming in the fullness of time. Now we find the world trying to change, trying to change history, and trying to change the designations of history to somehow remove God and the fullness of Christ's coming, the time of his coming, by doing so. They use the term BCE, or before the common era. Where is Christ and all of that? He's gone. They're trying to remove him. You say, is it a conscious effort? I think on the part of some, it is. You know, in America... There are those in our country who would like to remove God from our history. And they're working at it. And you know what? Sometimes we're allowing it to happen. We're not putting up a fuss. We're not saying, what, what, where in the world did, is all, you know, we've removed God from our history, or they're trying to. When We speak about our forefathers as God-fearing people, and our country as a Christian nation, people are all offended and upset. Well, what about our offense at them trying to change the history of this nation? What nation have, have, that hath these statues and the God that we have is so great as, as, as America? Now, God had made Israel great because of his word, and he was their God, but folks, this country came into being because of God-fearing people fleeing persecution, looking for freedom. And they would change our history Strive, if you will, to take, if you will, God out of time. Christ out of our history. God out of our history. When Jesus came in John 8, in John 8 and 56, John 8 and 56, Bible says, your father, Jesus said this, your father, Abraham, Rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Well, how did Abraham see the day of Christ? By faith, looking forward, as God the Father had taught him. Through Genesis 3.15, through his parents, what have you, we find that God taught him. He saw Christ by faith. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He is invoking the name of the eternal God, the self-existent one. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You know, Christ himself plainly declared that he is the I am. I am the eternal, self-existent one, the, the one, if you will, who was first... First in time, he, he created time. Look with me to Colossians 1. It was created for man and gave us a time when he would send his son into the world in Colossians 1 and 12. Colossians 1 and 12. The Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 1 and 12 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We're speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all all things, and by him all things consist. He is first in time. When there was nothing, there was God, even our Lord Jesus Christ. He created everything that we have, even time, and in the fullness of time, God sent his Son into this world to redeem us or provide redemption for those who, who would repent and believe the gospel. The word consists, the Bible says he is before all things and be, by him all things consist means to stand together, to be fixed or per, in a permanent state <clears throat> as a body composed of parts and union or connection. Hence to be, to exist, to subsist, to be supported and maintained. The God that created all things maintains it all things and the person even of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was before all things. He is first in time. And what a blessing that we have time. Revelation 1. Revelation 1. Revelation 1, look at verses 7 and 8. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Revelation 1 1 and 7, I'm sorry. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega. What does that mean? The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty, the eternal God, if you will. Look with me to verses 17 and 18 of the same chapter. Folks, why, you ever wonder why would the Lord refer to himself in this manner? Because he is before all things. He is first in time. He created time for man. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He is the Savior. And folks, he has been from eternity past, or if you will, before there was time, there was Christ, there was God. He is first in time. Secondly, look back, if you will, to 1 John 4 and 19. 1 John 4 and 19. 1 John 4 and verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. The Him and the He Again, refer to who? God, God the Father. He is not only first in time, but he is first in rank or authority. And, folks, that's very important, as well as everything about God is. It is very important that he is first in rank and authority. Again, Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning, God created. Folks, there was no one but God. And folks, there is no one who is in greater power or authority than God. You say, well, why is that? If you will, look with me to Genesis 1 again. Genesis 1. And let's look at verse 3. Genesis 1 and verse 3. The Bible says this, And God said... Let there be light and there was light. If you will look at verse 6, and God said, look at verse 9, and God said, look at verse 11, and God said, look at verse 14, and God said, look at verse 20, and God said, look at verse 24, and God said, look at verse 26, and God said, look at verse 28, and God said, look at verse 29. And God said, you know, <clears throat> throughout the scripture here we find the Lord repeating himself in many ways, but God by command brought the world into existence, created the world. Command. Not by by accident, not by some meek, quiet little mousy person. He is God. And God, when God speaks, God should be listened to. He has authority. Look at me to Psalm 148. Psalm 148. <clears throat> now, we live in a world today that would deny God in many respects, and particularly the authority that he, had, that he does have in this world, the authority of his word over their lives. In Psalm 148, let's look at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all, uh, His angels, praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun, moon, and praise Him all, ye stars of, of light. Praise Him, ye heavens and heavens, and ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. When God said, when the Bible says, and He said, He commanded... And they were created. He commanded as one having authority, first in rank or authority. Proverbs eight. Proverbs eight. And look at verse 13. Proverbs eight, beginning in verse 13. Bible says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mind and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. Again, here we see the Lord speaking of his authority. He is first in authority. Now, many in our world, even today, are in places of authority And the only reason they're there is because God allowed them to be there. Because God is working out His purpose, and God allowed them to rise to a place of authority on purpose. In one sense, you know, even, and this is hard to imagine sometimes, but even those who are in power and are evil in their power are allowed to be there because God has allowed them to be there. And even against their will, they will in some form or other be fulfilling the purpose of Almighty God. And you know, I don't like, uh, I don't like our current president or anything else like that, but under- I understand this that maybe for the time that is the man that god wants to be in that office and he has a purpose that sometimes we may not always understand but we need to know that he is first in authority and whatever he does is right amen for our good not only for us as christians but for the world look at me at isaiah 45. isaiah 45 And we'll begin in verse one, Isaiah 45 and 1. <clears throat> Bible says, "Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him to leave gates, and the gates shall not be shut." And I will go before thee and make the, <clears throat> make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut and sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee treasures of darkness and hidden uh, riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name I have surnamed thee though thou hast not known me I am the Lord and there is none else uh, <clears throat> there is no god beside me I girded thee with I girded thee though thou hast not known me that they may know uh, from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me I am the Lord and there is none else Now God here is speaking of Cyrus who had become king of Persia one day, a hundred years before he was ever born. God had planned and purposed to allow this man to rise to power, to, to if, if you will, effectively see to it that his will be done. And he says repeatedly in this passage that he did not know the Lord. He was not a saved man. And yet God allowed him to rise to power on purpose, if you will, Ezra, Chapter 1, Ezra chapter 1. <clears throat> it's interesting that <clears throat> when Isaiah's prophesying, though his book appears after this book, it does not mean that it is historically uh, after this book. It's speaking, if you will, prophetically before the writing of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1, look at verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord spoke of him through Jeremiah as well as Isaiah. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him in house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all of his people? Is God be with him? Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help with him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts besides the freewill offering for the house of the Lord, the, uh, the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So we find here the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose through a heathen king that God allowed to rise to power because God is first in authority and power and rank in this world and before this world. And he is the one that allows people to rise to power. Now you say, should we not vote? Surely we should vote because we don't always know what God wants. We should vote for someone who is going to do the best for our nation. Vote, but understand it's all in the hands of God. I think as the song was sung and as a special prayer, folks, is so important. But we need to vote. But if you will, Proverbs 21 and 1. Proverbs 21 and 1. God has a purpose. We may not understand His purpose. We ought to pray that His will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Proverbs 21 and verse 1. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. You know, it's amazing, folks, that if we look through history, it's amazing to find the times when God has turned the heart of a king or a governor or something, someone, in order to see to it that his will is done. He allowed him to rise to power for that purpose and it's you know sometimes we think well what are we going to do i mean look at the mess it looks like america's in well before there was anything there's god he is first in time he is first in authority romans 13 romans 13 folks we need to keep our eyes on the lord and the power of our god romans 13 and 1 Here the Bible says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God, that word ordained means they're uh, appointed of God, and they, it says here, wherefore, uh, uh, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be not afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, he must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pray ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. He's speaking of civil authority, civil government. And let's remember this, that man, and, man in this life cannot exist without time, cannot exist without civil government. For this reason, man will not govern himself man will not on his own govern himself the whole idea and need for civil government came from god who is the final and, and most uh, highest authority he is the he is first in authority and folks he established human government because god knows the heart of man that is desperately wicked and 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 who can know it folks man will not on his own govern himself and people imagine well freedom is the freedom to do as you please. No, freedom is the is the freedom to do as God pleases to do the right thing. We don't have the freedom to do as we please. That's anarchy. That's people living like wild animals. And that's what many of the liberals of our day in America are professing that they want. Defund the police and all this kind of nonsense. And because of that, there's been a rise in violent crime across America and particularly in the major cities that have endorsed that philosophy. And now they're trying to turn back the clock and fix the mess that they've made because they've rejected God and His plan for things. Folks, you and I can never never improve on god's way of doing things never and we ought to be we ought to be in obedience to the authorities that god has established as long as they're not asking us to sin and disobey god because god established authority for a reason and you know something folks the the, i think the best the best citizens in a country a given country should be christian people we should set the example of now you know what folks being as much as possible in obedience to civil authorities to authorities that are over us on our jobs etc we ought to teach now listen we ought to teach our children to be in obedience to the authority in the home which is mom and dad we ought to teach them that. If they don't learn to be in, in an obedience to the authority of mom and dad, you know what, one day they're going to struggle with any kind of authority in their life. We don't want to fail them in that matter. Look at First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 8. But you know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Unfortunately, not all men do use the law lawfully. But he goes on to say this. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. You know, folks that are righteous, those who are saved by the grace of God. You know what, folks? We're not living by the law. But we are fulfilling the law by living for Christ. We don't live for the law. We live for the Christ of the law. Knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous men, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers and manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be anything, any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious uh, gospel of, of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. But he's talking about the, God established the law. Why? Because men at heart are lawless. God gave the law to Israel. God, You know, folks, <clears throat> uh, before God even gave the law, men had a sense of the law of God written in their hearts. They knew right from wrong because of the law of God. And we know that the reason why, you know, it's amazing that someone, I've heard several people say it, that, you know, sometimes we don't need more laws, but we just need to enforce the laws we have. And to some measure, that's so true. We We have had good laws on the books, and the reason people, the reason things are getting so bad in some respects is we're not enforcing the laws we have. But they they, they think the answer is now, well, let's make more laws. And do what with them? We understand, we see the lawlessness, and we say, what are we going to do? Well, we need to make another law. And we're not even enforcing the laws we have. And the lawlessness continues because, you know what, folks? No one has any respect for a law that's not enforced. No one has any respect for a law that's not enforced. Amen. Sometimes not even Christians. Not even Christians. Sometimes we go too far with love to the point where it becomes license. And we as churches and Christians let other church members get away with all kinds of ungodly. You know, the Bible teaches we need to give people space to repent and be right with God. Be in agreement with his word. But if they'll not be, then some action should be taken to show them that, you know what? That kind of behavior is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 3 and 4 that sin is the transgression of the law the law of God. And I think it even goes so far as to consider the law of man because God established the civil law who have given us laws to obey. And ultimately, I think a lot of the laws we have are established to try to keep people safe and happy. They're not being enforced. The Bible says, For all is sin that comes short of the glory of God. We're all lawbreakers before we're saved. and The wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Lord, look at Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Let's look at verse 5. <clears throat> you know, God is <clears throat> first in time. God is first in authority. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He was obedient unto death. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in the earth, and things under the earth, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. You know, many in this world today who have not received Christ but rejected Him, rejected His law, rejected God's authority in their lives, one day will face the authority of God in judgment on the day of judgment, the great white throne of judgment. Now, you know something? God wants us to willingly bow our heart to the authority of Jesus Christ and of God in our lives. If we won't do it by choice, if we won't do it by choice, then one day we will bow before God and have to confess with our mouth, maybe not with our heart, but with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, first in authority, first in authority in this world, in this universe, and those that have rejected God as the authority in their life and the word of God as the authority in their lives, folks will one day bow to God and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. Even as the Lord has said repeatedly in his word. He is the first in time. He is the first in authority. And let me say this: I don't believe with all my heart that God wants to exercise this kind of authority upon people. The Bible says He delights in mercy. He wants all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And last, look at First John chapter four. <clears throat> he is first in time. He is first in authority. <clears throat> 1 John 4 and 19. We love him because he first loved us. He is first in love. Now, some of what we've already talked about, some of what we've already talked about proves one thing, that we we by nature do not choose God or choose to love God. We love him because he first loved he is first in love, before he created everything, time or anything else. God looking and the Bible says that he knows all of his works from the beginning of the creation, what have you God shows knowing what men would do in the face of all their ungodliness. God chose to love us. But we don't choose to love Him by nature. And yet, God loves us anyway and wants us to be saved. You know what, folks? God even loves someone like Putin and Biden. He does. And He wants them to be saved. He chooses to do that, even though at this point they have not chosen to love Him and receive His love in salvation. Look at verses 9 and 10. 1 John verses 9 and 10. And this was manifested, the love of God toward, his, toward us because that God sent his only, be, his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, He's going to tell us here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means the appeasement of the wrath of Almighty God was satisfied When God in love sent his son into the world to die for us. You know what? All that God wants from us is for us to want him, to choose him. He's not going to force anyone to choose him. But there are consequences when we don't. Joshua said under the leadership of God, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a choice we make as God reveals his love to us in his son and the sacrifice of his son and you know what he first loved us we love him after we see and receive his love for us the question is this when did you receive his love now folks he is first in time and let me say this If you're not really saved, and sometimes, folks, as much as I want to believe that everybody in church is saved, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And I know that it's not true. If Jesus could have a devil among 12, we could have a devil or several devils among our our membership as well. God is first in time And he's created time. Now, look with me for a moment. And there's still time for you. There's still time for you. But don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. And, folks, he is first in authority. Do not think for a minute that you and I will get away with anything. If you're not saved, Hebrews 2. verse 1 therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us uh, by them that heard him now you know what you still have time, but boast not thyself of tomorrow. God is first in time. He's created time. He's created in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, he's given us a Savior. What are we going to do with it? He has given us a Savior. Folks, he is first in authority. The same God that created us owns us by virtue of creation and can do with his creation anything he chooses to do. Now, God has chosen, God has chosen to offer you and I an opportunity to let him be our Lord. Choose him as our Lord and our God. You know, when Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he was acknowledging the authority Of God over his life, the authority of God over his life. Who's an authority in your life? Well, I'm a Christian. Who is an authority in your life? Who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? Who is the authority? If you'll not let God be God and your God, then one day, one day, you'll bow your knee to God in the person of Jesus Christ and confess that he is Lord at that point with no mercy, no opportunity for hope. Jesus Christ, or the Lord is, God is first in time, he's first in authority, and he's first in love. Now God would rather show love Give love than judgment. What are we going to do with it? Say, preacher, you don't think I'm saved? I don't know. But God does. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Are you saved? You know, he is first. He first. First in time, first in authority, and first in love. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Folks, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. God's in control. We don't have to worry and fret, wring our hands, wondering what am I? what's going to happen. God's on the throne. What we ought to be concerned about is the God that has the authority not only to, to uh, bring death, but if you will, cast us in the lake of fire. The Bible says, Fear him that hath, hath the power to b- destroy both body and soul in it. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.